This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to another episode of Woods and Waters Project Podcast. This is Steph, your host, and this is episode number 52, where we interview Heather Iverson, who is an avid trapper, hunter, forager. She's a wife mama and this family does all things trapping together and we have a special guest from the family at the very end of the podcast who also gives us a little bit of advice and know-how so stay tuned till the end but this episode is awesome if you were thinking about getting into trapping want to know more about trapping uh this is this is your girl we we have now had uh two avid female trappers on this podcast and that makes me so proud and so excited Uh, and I know that they are friends as well and they're both great examples of just an outdoors woman um, and trapper and the way they share their knowledge don't gatekeep and are just such positive influences on the world is amazing and Heather has blown up as far as her reach and impacting people and she is a relatively new trapper but has learned a lot and knows her stuff and so we have a conversation about her favorite animal to trap favorite trap to set how she involves the family what life has looked like for her it's it's an awesome interview and she's a lovely human being thank you heather so much for being here and everyone let's get into the episode Okay, Heather, I was just telling you how, like, I've been beating myself up because I should have asked you a long time ago to be on this podcast. And I'm so excited that you're here. 
talking to me and I get to know you along with everybody else. Um, I have like followed some of your journey on social media and I know social media just shows little bits and pieces of it. So I'm really excited to hear about you and, you know, what you've done, what you're doing, um, learn from you and just introduce you to everybody. So Heather Iverson, would you please introduce yourself uh, to the podcast? Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be on. Um, So I'm from Michigan and uh, I was raised like hunting, fishing. Um, My dad, he took me on his back, like in the carrier um, when I was just an infant uh, fishing behind our house and we started uh, duck and goose hunting. Uh, I started going along when I was four. Um, And as an adult or as a teenager, I kind of went off and you know, did teenage girl things with my friends every weekend. But as an adult, we've kind of gotten back into hunting and fishing and uh, we picked up trapping as well, um, both my husband and our, our two kids. That's awesome. I I also, I remember um, either a post that you did, I think, or maybe I was reading something on, because where I started to see you actually is on one of our, it's like a Facebook forum. I think it's Trapping Talk maybe. Oh yeah. And that's Mm -hmm. like where I started to see you. And I was really excited because at the time of starting to see your face, I, you know, there was a few other females on there, um, but I was getting into trapping as well. And I also started hunting and fishing when I was about four years old. It's like a core memory, uh, tons of waterfowl. So when you shared your story and I saw like the timing of it, I'm like, yeah, like I can relate to this. This is awesome. Uh, Cause I, you know, the, every day I meet more and more badass women and men that look at the outdoors and hunting like I do but um it's still such a small group of us so it was so cool to like relate to your story you know um and from what I from what I understand trapping uh wasn't something that you did when you were younger but it's something that you've started to take on and you've really started to take it on it seems like it's like a major um way of life for you and your husband yeah absolutely Um, Our love of duck hunting was actually how we got into trapping. Um, Our local duck hunters association, um, they have a whole trapping um, like part of their group um, where they have wood duck boxes. They go in and run a trap line every year. So they're really big on getting people involved with trapping and using it as a conservation tool for waterfowl. And um, I love turkey hunting as well. So then seeing, you know, all the destruction that raccoons can do for both ducks and turkey, that was really our big, like, push to get into trapping. That's awesome. I had no, I had no idea. And yeah, that, um, that makes a ton of sense, like with the wood ducks, like I've never, I've, I, I, I have the way, you know, I, the way I got into it was starting with coon hunting, like with dogs. And then um, slowly getting exposed, well, and beaver trapping. So beaver trapping and hunting coons with uh, with hounds. Um, and then that kind of just like eased me into there. And I know, especially where I live in Iowa, there is a plethora of raccoons here. Um, oh, yeah. And they cause a lot of damage to crops and to um, turkey nests and, you know, but that's interesting. I never really thought about anything that they would do for to ducks yeah, never, yeah yeah fascinating do you yeah. 
Um, and, and for people who don't know, like I, didn't you end up being like a cover of like a trapping magazine? Is that right? Yeah. 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 Um, National Trappers Association, their uh, magazine, American Trapper. Um, I got to be on that with a muskrat um, yes. that we caught last year. So that was a really big honor. I was really excited, especially because that was only our second season trapping. So I don't know, it just kind of helped feel like more a part of the community because I feel like the trapping community is pretty welcoming mm-hmm. um we're back in the old days it used to be more like trappers kept their secrets you know you don't share with people any tips or tricks because they were your competition because it was you know their livelihood where there still are people who you know trap for a career now but a lot of people are starting to get into it kind of like how I am for the conservation aspect of it so I thought that was pretty cool yeah no it is and I um that's some of the things I want to ask you about today because you know um I've had myself like I think our timing of like trapping is roughly the same so you're like really into it like last like three years right yeah 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 so that's that's about right for me as well um and I don't even know uh you know, I, I brought this up uh, on a previous podcast, how I grew up in the hunting and fishing, you know, like way of life, but trapping didn't come up a whole lot. And as I got older and I got into trapping, I started to hear like my dad and his friends and um, family friends talk about how much they trapped before, because, you know, furs were worth quite a bit more. Um, and that was a way of, especially when they were teenagers, like they used to trap to buy themselves like vehicles like my dad's like best friend bought himself a brand new bronco in the 80s with fur money yeah like, you can't uh-huh. do that now no but people think it's interesting that I got into it when the price of fur is so low and I wonder mm-hmm. if if you get that feedback or people ask you about that like why get into it now when it's not w- worth a whole lot if anything Oh yeah. I get that question a lot. You know, you post a picture and people are like, Oh, well, what are they going for? And honestly, I don't even know. We haven't really sold our furs yet right now. All our furs from the season are in our freezer. Um, with our schedules, we kind of just have to, uh, skin them and freeze them and then work on fleshing and the fur handling later. But, uh, yeah, we plan on making our own things out of it. Um, out of them so we're pretty excited for that that's awesome that's what I was going to get was was getting at too is um if you have anything in particular you like want to use the first for like do you or is there something like on your mind that you really want to make or something specific at all yeah I I love or I would love to make a hat of course um but really high on our list I'd really love to make like a blanket for our bed I just think that would be pretty warm and (laughs) and nice. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. And I, um, I was uh, at a, I, so like R3, so with my full-time job and some organizations that I'm a part of, I have become more active in R3, which is like the recruit, reactivate, retain um, movement across the country of um, recruiting new hunters, uh, fishermen, trappers, outdoorsmen, retaining them, keeping them, and then reactivating the ones that maybe don't get a license every year. Um, 
a statistic that came from the conference that we went to. So this isn't just like a bunch of like conservationists and hunters, like that's what that, I mean, it, it is, but these are also people who do like data research. Like these are researchers who research these numbers and like show us the facts. And so they bring, you know, we're just so many different uh, groups of people, intelligent, experienced people. And one of the stats that I thought was really fascinating was um, that only 15%, so this is like across the country, only 15% of hunters um, purchase a license every year. So like, this isn't like, it's not a regular way of life, you know? Um, in the percentage of actual like fur bearers, like who get like their fur bearers license is um, I think even less so, but the, but the average fur bearer, however, is doing like that number. I don't, I'm, it's going to be like off like a little bit, but I think it's the average checking 266 traps a season, which our, our trapping season in Iowa is not very long. Um, so it's kind of like the ones who trap are pretty hardcore, like compared to, they're more consistent in going out and continuously trapping. Um, but there has been a decline the last few years, but hunters are not so much like just a traditional hunter. So I just thought that was interesting. Um, I think there's just like a lot of like tradition and nostalgia and like a serious way of life behind trapping. And I really hope the price of furs doesn't make that completely go away but um I just think it's fascinating I, I I hear more and more people are getting into it and I just wonder why you know um, yeah yeah I've noticed kind of on social media that I've seen a lot more people getting into trapping and I think it's really great I think that more people maybe see the conservation side of it and also just that a lot of trapping uh, a lot of the trapping season takes place you know, in most people's off season. So True. maybe some people are seeing it as a great way to, you know, get outdoors when, um, you know, hunting season is done. Yeah, I, uh, I took a, I think you probably know him, um, Jeff Mangus. I've heard the name, yeah. I think, yeah. Um, so he was part of a, Wild Harness event that I went to and taught um, like a women's trapping clinic and you know something he brought up and like it's like I think I think these things like subconsciously but when he said it it just really clicked for me um, because so I don't know if you went through this at all being someone who grew up with like hunting and then trapping later in life um, there's kind of this I know a lot of hunters that don't love trapping, right? Like they, they almost think it's morally wrong, which, yeah. which I think, you know, I've played around with that in my head a little bit, like, well, we're both killing animals and I could see the perspective of trapping seems like you're torturing something potentially, if you're not educated on the traps and like what that looks like. Um, I can understand that, but the, um, Jeff during this clinic brought up and it was really impactful to this group of women that went a lot of them have hunted before, hunt really regularly. And when um, that we uh, trapped a, we, we trapped a possum and a bobcat in, in this. And 
um, then they were shot and, and, you know, they didn't, they died relatively fast, but you, you were right next to this animal as it was dying. Mm-hmm. And you saw a little bit of it's kicking and bleeding out and all of that. And as that's happening, there's quite a few people getting a little emotional. And even the ones who aren't showing it on their face, I think that kind of any human that kind of, you know, doesn't feel good, right? Like that part of it right. isn't, the, isn't the feel good part. No, and, absolutely. Right. And he talks about how what you're seeing up close right now is when you shoot that deer that's 40, 50 yards away and then it runs off and then you go find it later, that's what that deer is going through too. Like you're not any different, but it is interesting. A lot of hunters have a lot of reservation about trapping and I did too. I used to, Mm -hmm. Um, did you go through that same Um, experience or not really? I didn't, I guess I did have a little bit of reservations at first, just because it is so up close and personal. Um, But the step wasn't too difficult for me. Um, But I have noticed through my social media that some hunters, um, did kind of have some negative feedback about it. And I agree with you, you know, I was like, well, we're kind of doing the same thing. It's just different uh, means to the end. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Hold on, just can we pause? (laughs) Silas, Silas, what? Mom will be out a little while. (laughs) Sorry about that. No problem. You're all good. Oh, all right. So we're talking about the hunters. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. He kept, he, he definitely uh, had said, you know, I feel that trapping is um, morally wrong and inhumane. And it really struck me because, you know, trappers help hunters, you know, by keeping these predators under control. Um, and in the end, you know, hunters do benefit from it. Um, but then on the other side, I, I can understand how there can be some division, um, especially with bird hunters um, and more specifically upland hunters, because, you know, they're a little more prone to have their dogs maybe find a trap. Um, so one thing I always like to talk about with hunters is just, especially if you have a dog, make sure that you know how traps work and that you can release your dog because our traps really um, aren't going to harm your dog, especially if you're right there to release them right away. Um, so just people familiarizing themselves with how traps work and and all that, I think really would make a big difference in how people view trapping. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I would agree with that. And I um, actually, the year before I got into trapping, I was out bird hunting and my um family like family friends bird dog which is like the sister to my bird dog uh got caught in a snare um and it was pretty like and it was pretty scary at first you know and it kind of like frustrates you and it kind of makes you mad at the trapper for a hot second Mm -hmm. Um, and I, and I do have a bird dog and I, and I'm very, um, you know, I can't speak for everybody. Like, I know this just happens. Like you can't, it's not, you can't even control. It could be like a country dog that wanders off from home, but, um, I do try to be really cognizant of where I put my traps, like would Mm -hmm. a dog end up here? 
you know, like right. I try not to do that. Um, yeah. but I totally get both sides. Cause I really, I had no idea how much I would enjoy trapping. I really, really love it. Um, but I love my bird dogs too. So I think coming from both sides, I, I'm not going to quit doing either one. I'm just going to try to be as safe as I can and have um, the equipment to dispatch, dispatch. Maybe that's right. That's probably not the right word, uh, to like get my dog off the, uh, off the uh, trap as safely as I can. Um, Mm -hmm. so I hear you. I do agree with that though, that, um, that would be a big reservation and I can, I can understand why people get upset about that. Mm-hmm, definitely. Is there, was there anything in particular with trapping that like you started trapping like, and is that like your favorite still, or how does, how, how does that look now? Yeah, we started with raccoons, uh, like I said, because of that duck hunters association, mm-hmm. and even still, I just, I love catching raccoons. I know as far as furs go, their prices, especially on raccoons are super low, but it's just so fun to me every time you walk up and see that little mass face. <laughs> I just love it. Yeah. So, I mean, I, it's exciting catching anything. Um, but yeah, I just always go back to catching raccoons. I just enjoy it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can definitely see that. I, I don't know. I think, um, I think that's, it would be hard for me to choose. I think um, I also started like, I started trapping beavers, which I mentioned. Oh yeah. And I do think overall that is like the most exciting to me. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I am on a mission to trap a bobcat. And I was part of like getting one with this women's group that I talked about. And that was just such a really cool experience for me. Um, yeah. And I just, I would really like to do that, but I'm still sure. figuring my way out um, <laughs> like through this and now I have traps. Now I now I'm starting to like understand the lingo of like what a 330 versus like a 550 and like a DP yeah. is. Like I didn't know what the hell that meant a year ago. Uh-huh. <laughs> Not a clue. So what is the bobcat season like out by you guys? Because that's on my list too, but we only get oh, I think it's like 10 days here in Michigan, unless oh. you're in the UP, it's longer, but yeah. Um, I don't know. It's longer than 10 days for sure. Um, it is actually, so before I find the actual dates, um, in Iowa, the tricky part isn't so much the length of time as it is the counties. So there's a really good portion of Iowa that you can't trap bobcats at all. Like not on, you know, obviously accidents happen, but, uh, not on purpose. So, um, and the way that it looks is, so so there's different regions, the counties are broken up into different regions and you can maybe, maybe you can get uh, two to three bobcats a season, but it's based on the corresponding counties. Like mm-hmm. Scott County, for example, is a county that I would really like to trap a bobcat in, um, but I can only get one in that county. I can't get my three in that county. Um, yeah. So it, you have to just know that and make sure you're reading like which region you're in. Um, oh yeah, definitely. But yeah, that's similar here in Michigan. Like it, I'm in the southwest southwest part, and we uh, can't trap them at all. But when you get to like the northern lower part, um, you can get one, I believe. And then in the UP, um, their season's longer, and I 
I don't know exactly how many they can get up there, but yeah, it's definitely something you need to make sure of is that you're always checking your regulations and figuring out where you can go. And yeah, I, uh, you know, starting out when I was younger up until like my mid twenties, um, I, I did a lot of deer hunting, a lot of turkey hunting, waterfowl, um, and, and pheasant hunting when the population, the pheasant population got better. Um, but it was pretty much those things. And it was always in Iowa, except for an occasional mm -hmm. rifle hunt in Missouri. Um, and so I didn't have to like get to know the rules and regs that good because I didn't really need to, because they were kind of the same, as long as you knew, um, you know, your seasons for waterfowl, cause that can change from time to time. It was pretty much, you know, you just knew what to expect. You knew the dates, everything. And then yeah. as like, as a outdoorsman, the more hunting I do, the more things I try, I'm like constantly checking the regulations and the dates, like, cause they're always, there's just so many things. Um, and I have to, I've gotten way better at it, but I used to just like, when I was younger, if dad says this is when we're going, this is when we're going, and hopefully dad's right, and yeah. <laughs> like that works out. Um, yeah, that's which is awful. Like now, now I'm a volunteer, a hunter educator, so um, oh, yeah. I'm like, you know, I try to be extra, extra cautious before I say anything out loud. Um, yeah, so it looks like, yeah, ours is November 6th through the end of January. So it's a okay. longer season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so what are, are there, um, is there like a type of trapping that you're just really not that interested in or do you kind of like it all? I really, I really like it all. Yeah. Yeah. I, beaver trapping is a lot of fun. And have you eaten any of the beavers you've caught yet? Yeah, I actually, um, I made my boyfriend uh, last year. So we have a Traeger and we caught a bunch of beaver. And at this point I've asked him, you know, have you eaten raccoon? He said, no, have you eaten bobcat? Uh, no, but he's tricked other people into eating it. And then I'm like, have you ate, you know, beaver? And he's like, no, I'm like, hey, well, we're gonna, if we catch one today, we're, we're cooking it. And he's like, okay. He's like, you decide how. So he took half of it, cooked it in the Traeger. And the other half, we did like a really slow roast. Um, yeah. I would say what hat was in the Traeger turned into like a jerky kind of, mm -hmm. and it was, it was very good. Um, the slow cooking in the pot, like a roast, yeah. it wasn't awful, but I would yeah. never seek it out personally. No. <laughs> yeah. But I also don't know how to cook it either. So, uh -huh. I mean, I'm sure there's great ways <clears throat> to cook it. Yeah. Yeah, we um, we took like the back strap and the meat just before the tail, and we just kind of like diced it up and put a little olive oil in a pot and like or a pan and Chicago steak seasoning, and just like browned it that way, and it was really good. Our kids like chowed it down, and um, but we haven't really tried it any other ways yet. Yeah, I. Uh... I've, I've been, this comes up more and more in the podcast and just in general conversation. I think, um, I didn't really, I wasn't really into cooking much, uh, until recently. Um, and 
after having some really great dishes and experiences and like the first couple of times I figured out how to cook goose where I actually enjoyed it for example now it's kind of just been like a ripple effect and I've wanted to get better at understanding how to cook different meat I you know cooked bobcat for the first time it turned out really good um and just understanding that everything isn't cooked like beef and there's some really great stuff out there definitely uh Do you, are you like big into like wild game cooking or just cooking in general? I am not. I, I wish I was. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> <I'm really not. laughs> I like same. to eat it, but I'm not the best cook in general. <laughs> yeah. Like me, easy is my go-to. <laughs> yeah. Me too. I think it's kind of motivating now because my, my boyfriend who's been like a hunter, um, fisherman, trapper, his entire life. And I mean, goes harder at it than anyone I really have ever known. Um, it's like, it's like a mixture of, I just want to be the best woodsman I can be in all areas, but also I'm kind of competitive with him too. Um, and he's a great cook. Uh, and so it kind of makes me want to be better because sometimes I, Sometimes like if he's gone and he's busy, I want to cook for him. And then when my, when my meal turns out like crap compared to his like awesome one, I'm like, damn, I should get better at this. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So that's like a recent thing for me too. Like, I don't know what I'm doing most of the time in the kitchen. So (laughs) (laughs) but once in a while I can turn something around and make it pretty good. Uh Um. As far as like, I mean, you have really reached a lot of people with like what you've done with hunting and trapping and like trapping specifically. Um, And like, is that just, I mean, I've seen your face and I've heard a lot about you and like, you've like impacted a lot of people. And I think they've really loved, um, like you just went from kind of like teaching yourself going through these experiences to really doing it like as a way of life. has that kind of surprised you like the like reaction you've gotten from it and I mean yeah yeah a little bit I remember the very first time we went trapping and I was about to post like my first ever trapping photo on Instagram and I was so nervous because I know a lot of people have this like negative image of trapping so I was like bracing myself for just horrible backlash and then it kind of didn't really get horrible backlash so I was like okay I'll just keep sharing my experiences and um yeah from there it just kind of kept growing and I've really enjoyed you know getting to know people hearing different input uh, from people and uh, just showing people you know you don't have to be an expert like you can pick up something new and have fun and still make it a way of life even if it's something new to you. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, hunting and uh, fishing, it's something I've always done, but with the trapping, you know, it's just really become a big part of our lives. And so it's, it's been a lot of fun to meet new people through that. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I mean, I, I think some of my reservation, you know, social media, it gets brought up a lot. I bring it up a lot because I think it's just a big part of this world. Like, the outdoors, um, the social media could be 
what keeps it alive. It also could be like a detriment to what we love to do, you know? Um, it's like both sides of the coin. Um, and, you know, what I, some of my reservations sometimes is, you know, as someone who like, like you grew up hunting in, in the outdoors, um, it's kind of, when you, so when you grow up with it, and you know, you don't know that many people, there's not that many people still that, yeah. you know, hunt. so everyone talks about how um, more women are getting into hunting in the outdoors and, and it's like, it's growing in a lot of ways um, mm-hmm. and, it, it, and it is, but we are also, because of the major population that does the hunting and trapping are our, our baby boomers, um, the numbers of people trapping and hunting are, and, and fishing are dropping off faster than we're putting into it. Um, and it's just fascinating. Like, uh, I think it's something like we lose four to 5% of our hunters every single year. And it's been like that for years. Um, so uh-huh. to keep this way of life alive, you just, you need to introduce more people and more people need to, to take it on. Um, and I, I've had reservations because hunting and like the outdoors feels like a special club. Like you're part of this like special group of people. You have this connection with other humans that just immediately brings you together and you have an understanding of each other. And it is special. Um, And when I got into like coon hunting and trapping, I know that, you know, like these are like, these are special groups of people who like, they're kind of a club. And so when I, even though I was a hunter coming into some of that, made me a little nervous like will they be mm-hmm. accepting will they be nice to me will they mock me um will they teach me like will they will they actually help me like I really want to get better um, mm-hmm. and overall like there's some negativity but overall I feel that people who really care about the sport like trapping um they want to see it stay alive so like someone like you who comes in and does it later like later in air quotes in life um, yeah. I think it's exciting to them because usually trapping gets passed on from like the family from years ago. It isn't, yeah. it's not something that springs up later in life typically. Yeah. So I'm yeah. glad that you had that reaction. Yeah, same. And like you said, you found out family um, trapped. My dad, he trapped when he was younger uh, too, but it through my childhood, that was not anything he was doing. So it's kind of cool to see it pick back up again in both our families. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, what is like, so, so we talked about raccoon hunting mm-hmm. or hunting. Oh my gosh. Trapping. And I mean, yeah, hunting, uh, raccoon trapping. And what is your typical like set look like? Like, what are you mm-hmm. usually using to trap a raccoon? Yeah, so it's so basic, but I love DPs or dog proofs or whatever. I know, you know, using like a one and a half or whatever is a really great uh, option too, but we just, I just love DPs because you can just slap so many in and we have really great success with them. And uh, for baiting them, you know, it's so easy. You can use pretty much anything that smells like food but we usually go for like cat food and mini marshmallows and um, I'll use uh, like sawmill creek has this like cherry syrup that I kind of like to drizzle on it or chocolate syrup or but yeah I just love it because they're so easy and quick to get out and 
just really versatile. Yeah, that's awesome. That's uh, that's actually what I got for Christmas this year from my boyfriend. He got me um, like a dozen DPs and pretty much everything I needed for like coon trapping um, specifically. And then I got myself some of that uh, like triple X like fish oil. Oh yeah. And I, I really underestimated the power of that stuff. Uh, I got like cat food and marshmallows and Kool-Aid and then like did like the fish oil, like mixed into it. And I did it in one of like our metal bowls. Like it's not a bowl we cook with. It's usually like, we'll we'll clean fish and like put the fillets in there kind of deal. He was so like flabbergasted that I mixed it in one of our good bowls. He's like, you don't understand that smell will never come out of that bowl ever. So upset. I'm like, oh, well, it sounds like it's good stuff then. Like, Oh, I love it. But I, yeah, like, do you lure wise, do you, um, uh, do you have a specific like brand or anything that you like to use for anything, you know, raccoons or anything? Like, is there, is there a go-to for you? Yeah, we love the Sawmill Creek and Trapping Girl baits and lures. We have really good luck with them. And Mike and Linda are just really great people and they do a lot for the trapping industry too. So I just am happy to support them and their stuff works. So we just stick with it. So, yeah, I really, you know, Linda was just on this podcast and I, I really appreciated, um, like I appreciate her anyway, she's a lovely person, uh, but just kind of simplifying it because it is a lot, uh, there's a lot of names and numbers associated with stuff and, it's kind of hard at first to put it together and and like they do a really good job no no losing my voice they do a really good job of like simplifying it and and kind of creating this like starter kit for people in a lot of ways which when I'm getting started with something that's what I want too like I don't want you to tell me a hundred options I want like three and then I'll choose one or the other right Um, exactly yeah that's awesome uh if you okay so like I'm thinking about this from like what I went through the last few years. If I hadn't had like my boyfriend who's been a trapper forever mm-hmm. and even then he's very stuck in his ways and he'll say that like he does things a certain way. So mm-hmm. when I ask questions, he will answer them, but he also doesn't really want me to like challenge it too much. Cause he's like, no, this works. <laughs> like I'm successful uh-huh. For someone who's new and now that you like look back at it, like someone who wants to start trapping, what would you suggest that they start with? Um, Mm -hmm. Or like just kind of that first, that first step, what do you think? Yeah, Um, it really, I guess, depends what you're, what area you're in and what you're having issues with. Um, Like coyote trapping is a lot of fun, but they're very smart and it can be really challenging and it can be discouraging because there's just so much uh, room for error. Um, but we started with raccoons. I felt like that was a really great one. Muskrats are really great to start with. Uh, beaver, beaver is another really great one to start with too. Um, so we're all self-taught. Both my husband and I learned together. Um, so for a new trapper, I would say like head to YouTube and just research, you know, how to make sets. And then uh, from there, when you catch, you know, look up how to skin it, how to um, flesh and put it up and all that. And there's videos for 
every species on and covers all of that. So that was just a really valuable tool for us. Yeah, that's awesome. I think um, I I think uh, I would uh, agree. Um, I I need personally like my ADHD can't handle if I start like this is like how I will attack YouTube sometimes if there's something I want to look up and then I'm kind of like halfway into the video and I'm like okay they're not like it's not firing for me I will select the next one that looks you know more maybe what I'm looking for um yeah and then I might (laughs) I might like save it save it save it and I I like skip all over the place like I am totally um someone that I use YouTube for a lot of different things, but with trapping in particular, I really did lean on um, my boyfriend a lot. And then um, learning from Jeff, who's a friend of Linda's uh, trapping girl Um, and like sticking with them and like, and, and, you know, from what I understand, there are a hundred ways to do things the right way. And there's a lot of traps, a lot of brands, a lot of lures, a lot of strategy that is successful. Um, yeah. but like just pick one and get started. Yeah. Like that, that's what's hard for me, picking something. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, same. Um, our very first year, we only put out like one coyote set. And we didn't really watch a ton of videos on it at the time. And when I think back to that, I'm like, it we didn't catch anything. And <laughs> you can see or we can see why looking back, we use like you know, big branches to try to like guide them in and coyotes are really shy about that kind of thing. They don't, they don't like that. But um, yeah, so once we were like more serious about trying to catch them, you know, we watched a bunch of videos and kind of learned different techniques and, you know, it was really just a lot of trial and error. Um, you just kind of got to go out and do it. And hey, if that didn't work, try that guy's way or try, you know, just try different things. And that's that's just a really great way to learn too and um, you said like mentioned trapping talk earlier that group is really helpful too you can you know there's sometimes some squabbles between people but overall if you just kind of sit back and observe in those kind of groups you really can um, get a lot of information that's really helpful yeah I agree I feel like trapping talk I there is a lot of stuff in there that is kind of like a squabble, you know, oh. between people or goofy things. But um, for the most part, like those those groups like that, if you just exactly observe and see what they use and um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> they'll usually tell you or if you ask them, they'll tell you um, yeah. if it's not obvious. So I, I definitely agree. Like being a part of those groups are um, are extremely helpful and just make you when you're new, like you just don't know what you don't know. So it, it fills in a lot of the, a lot of the gaps for sure. Um, You know, what I think is really, really cool is, and and interesting, because I I don't hear about this like a lot, um, is how you and your husband kind of like did it together, Mm -hmm. like learn together. Um, Is it something like, have you both like continue to do it together like this entire time too? Yeah. Yep. Um. There's been some days um, where like we have traps out closer to my husband's work. So he'll like check them on his way to work, but pretty much everything we do, we do together. Um, And we include the kids 
uh, in that too. So yeah, even they've kind of like, you know, watched videos with us and um, we have a couple trapping books. So we'll like look at those all together. And um, it's a really good way actually to get kids outdoors because they don't have to be still and quiet. Like with hunting, you know, you can hike along and have them find tracks and different scat and things like that. So it's really been great as a family um, for learning opportunities. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think that I think that makes like, you know, I I was reading an article about if your kiddo is out there, you know, you take them hiking with you, take them outside and they don't like getting dirty or they're hot or something like give them something to do, like have them look for animal tracks, have them look for scat, like you said, um, mm-hmm. try to figure out, you know, what kind of bird that is like listen, just giving them something to pay attention to and like their perspective and their appreciation will change and you'll see and you'll see that um and they'll have something else to focus on they're not gonna care about being dirty or sweaty anymore or maybe a little cold uh and I know I'm like that too like if you know if I start paying attention to other things I start having a good time out there and I'm not as miserable Um, exactly so that's really cool that you guys do that as a family uh Cause I mean, I think it's great, uh, you know, solo activities, doing those things for yourself because trapping is something you can do by yourself and, um, Definitely. go do solo, but it's awesome to, to like do that as a, as a group, like as a family and as a couple too, like you don't hear about that a ton. Um, yeah. so I think that's a really beautiful thing. Does your husband like prefer like raccoon trapping too? Um, he loves catching beaver, yeah. which I do too, but, um, but those traps are a little bit harder for me to set yeah just for the pure like strength I have like child-sized hands <laughs> so like squeezing traps is really difficult for me but I have yeah. setters and stuff I can do it but yeah he that's probably his favorite yeah um that was one of the I kind of felt bad for Jacob my boyfriend when I got back from the trapping clinic because he has um these these traps that you know he'll like hold them up and I'm you know for people who can't see me I'm like showing an example so like he'll hold it up and he'll just with his hands like he'll just open this trap and set it like just holding it up like this and he's got like big strong hands and I have like I mean literally my hands are short um they're they're chubby but they're pretty they're actually I have very tiny hands I don't have a ton of hand strength um, and so when he does that, I would try it over and over and I would, and I don't like admitting defeat a whole lot, but I would tell him, I'm like, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. And it would, and he would, he would try to show me some tricks, but he could just do it so easy. Um, and it really frustrated me. Like it kind of made me feel for a little while, like I, maybe I just like, can't do this or I'm not tough enough to do this. Like, I don't know how other people not even just like women and children I don't know how even some men are doing this you know like it's hard um but then when I got back from the clinic and tried different types of traps like the springs that Jacob has um he's these really nice traps they're like some of the best like in the business but they're um Mm -hmm. let me see four coil so there's a lot more spring to them and they're a lot harder to bend back versus Mm -hmm. these other ones that I tried that were two uh, they had two coils. I could do it with my hands. I mean, like it was kind of a struggle, but I can absolutely do it. And I could do it by myself and I could do multiple of them. And Uh that was such a big confidence boost. Like 
yes, my, my traps won't be probably as powerful as his, but at least I can do them um, right with my hands, even without setters and then setters I use for pretty much everything else. But uh -huh. yeah, so that was eye opening to me because I just kind of figured I wasn't strong enough, you know? Yep. Um, so I, I just, I didn't give up. Like that's why I went to the clinic, but I kind of was a little defeated, uh, for a little while. And I feel much better about it now and understand how to use the traps and use my feet if I need to and, yeah. um, whatever I got to do to make it happen. So that was a huge confidence boost. Yeah, it is. I got a pair of setters because even like number twos, those are still difficult for me, but I have um, like the setters that go over the ends and it really helps get more leverage and I can do it. And, you know, yeah, it does. It is a big confidence booster when you are like, wow, okay, I can do this. This isn't, <laughs> this isn't like something physically I'm unable to do. So it yeah. does feel good that you can get past that. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, I hang up for me. Like I really was just trying to do as he did, you know, and he, he hasn't had to, uh, he never had to really go through that. Like, he's just kind of always been strong enough to handle whatever trap he had. And I just, you know, I didn't grow up, I didn't grow up with that or have that understanding. Um, and then once that clicked, it, it changed. Um, and I went, you know, trapping by myself this year. Cause like I, I could, um, you know, before I got my day started with work, I could, go, I could go check traps by myself. And I wasn't like overly concerned about being out there by myself. Um, so that was a really cool, that was a really cool thing. Um, as far as like, like long trap lines go, if anyone's not familiar, are, are you, are you doing like really long trap lines or what does that look like for the amount of traps that you're putting out at a time? Yeah, our lines are typically pretty short. Um, my husband works second shift and I homeschool our kids. So we usually go out in the mornings and that's when we do our setting and checking. For coyotes, we usually have like maybe 15 traps out at a time. Raccoons, we're usually at about a dozen. I think the most we've had out was, I think we had like 50 or 60 out for muskrat. Um, but that's like the most we've had out at once. So we're typically pretty short, pretty short lines. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I, I, uh, every once in a while, I, I don't know him. Um, there's a little old man and a little old S10 that I see every once in a while out where I live. Who's, you know, I, as I drive like to work and back, I will see him all day, like checking traps. And um, I want to like be at that level sometime, you know, like I spend my whole day checking traps and setting them uh, every once in a while, not that often. I don't have enough time probably to do that, but um, yeah. you know, some of these folks that I've met, like they're trapping like all over the country. Like they'll go out, you know, that's their vacation. Like they go on vacation to go trapping um, all day, all, you know, all night setting them, checking them. Uh, and travel state to state to do that and that's like that's that's gangster to me like yeah, I, awesome. I want to do that I would love to go like to Alaska and run a trap line there that would be so fun yes I agree I think um you know recently the <clears throat> what's changed like my perspective with trapping too is 
for a long time, most things that you trap are not like obvious food. So we talked about that a little bit before. Um, and I think that was my biggest reservation with trapping. Like, why would I trap a raccoon or a possum when I could shoot a deer um, or a turkey, right? Like, you know, in my mind, that just didn't make any sense. It wasn't because they're cuter and cuddlier. Um, mm-hmm. Coyotes for a little bit, that was hard for me because um, they're like a dog, you know? Right. And so there was some, there was some things I had to work through in my head. And I think that's normal. I think there's a lot of people that have those same feelings. Um, mm-hmm. But as like the conservation side, we talked about, but um, like from a food aspect, like why would, why would I, why would I do that? And then I have so much more of an understanding now of like all the reasons to trap, like conservation, food, um, crop protection, um, yeah. nuisance, um, population control, you mm-hmm. know, uh, there's just like so many different things to make things with. There's for the longest time, you know, everyone has this problem with trapping or not everyone, I shouldn't say that, but so many people have this like problem with trapping, but the lining in your jackets and your fur rims and all those things are made from coyotes and raccoons. Like that's what they're made from. Mm -hmm. Like if you have a fur jacket, which probably like a lot of, uh, lower to upper middle-class women and higher, higher class for sure have that men too. Um, that's Mm -hmm. made out of coyotes and raccoons. From, right from the midwest you know yeah, yeah so um just things i don't think people realize or know and just mm-hmm. it's not just a tradition like there's actually a purpose right. behind it yeah and we kind of talked about too like fur prices how they're low and i think what would be really cool to see is more people uh utilizing fur so maybe we could eventually bring those back up um you know faux fur is so many companies are switching to that um, because people have issues with, you know, the way fur is sourced. But when you look at it from an environmental standpoint, faux fur is actually really bad for the environment. It takes, you know, up to a thousand years or maybe even more um, to decompose. So, you know, you're putting all these plastics and um, artificial materials back in the landfills and um, where with real fur, that's a sustainable um, and renewable resource, um, you know, and it, so like the conservation side, you're helping animals in your area um, with like better nesting outcomes, or, you know, if your deer population is struggling and you trap coyotes, you're helping uh, fawns um, have better outcomes uh, in that too. And then on the first side, you're getting this renewable resource out of it that's warm and um, much better for the environment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, the stuff faux fur would be made out of is like hor- is horrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, there's just a lot. To, I think it, it's interesting how they always say things come back around. Um, and I, I do think. Uh, fur even though the price of fur is like down right now I do think that that will level out or change in the near future that's just like my 
my like prediction. Um, mm -hmm. Just the way styles are, the way people are looking at things, naturally resource things, um, organic, like that's what that is. Uh, I, I'll be interested to see how that how that turns and, and changes. Definitely. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say, yeah, a lot of people are, you know, starting to grow their own food and uh, people who haven't hunted before are realizing, oh, I can, you know, provide for myself that way. And, um, you know, even just basic things like sewing and things like that, you see kind of some people starting to pick up those uh, older traditions again. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I got so much pride the other day and, um, <clears throat> we're lucky that, you know, just a few houses down, we, we have a, a boyfriend, my boyfriend's family friend, he's, he's helped work in their fur shed for over 20 years and, uh, skinning beaver and coons and coyotes for them and stretching them and, and all that. He's been doing that for a really long time. And, uh, he's recently retired, but this, uh, like fur trader is like great, right down the road from us. And they, he needed some help, um, with flushing, uh, some beavers. Beavers are a lot harder to flush than at least for me, they're a lot harder uh -huh. to flush than a raccoon and um, a coyote. But, uh, <clears throat> so I've recently been learning, you know, how to, um, flush them out and then stretching them. And then, uh, he had me tack the beavers like on the board so that, you know, a beaver oh, yeah. you be like as perfect of a kind of circle shape as you can. Yep. And, um, I, it took some time, but I feel like I did a really good job. And then also any of the beavers that had, um, like holes in them, he, uh, so basically my boyfriend started to, to sew, to sew the holes up. And he's like, Hey Steph, like I have finished flushing this beaver out. Will you, will you sew? Like, you know how to sew? And I'm like, I'm like, mm -hmm. I do. I'm like, I've never done this before. He's like, just do the best job that you can do. And it'll be okay. Cause it'll, the way it'll shrink up, it, you know, goes to the tannery, et cetera. It, yep. It'll be fine. And between like tacking the beaver and like doing that, like doing a nice job on that. And then I ended up sewing, um, I think two or three holes on different beaver hides, um, or Hides. Mm -hmm. it's not a hide that's not the right term uh and I and I, I I sewed them and this man who's been part of this like fur in the fur trade and he's like a huge he was a huge part of it um he saw the work that I did and he's like if I was hiring stuff I would hire you right now he's like that's some of the best like sewing I've ever seen on a fur awesome. and like this sounds like so goofy but just just hearing someone like that tell me that I was doing such a good job, like tacking and sewing and like being involved and wanting to learn hands-on. Like it made me feel really, made me feel really proud and really good. And I love the, the process of all of that. Like mm -hmm. now that beaver has been, you know, trapped, flushed out those next steps and like being a part of that. And then these, these furs are going to like a friend of ours. And so I just like took a lot of pride in like being a part of like getting these furs to these people, you know, like it's goofy, but, but not goofy, I guess, I guess it's yeah. just. Yeah. There's a level of pride that comes with, you know, doing it yourself and being involved in that process. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, like something that I've, 
I'm repeating myself a lot, but like I bring up often is it's interesting, like in mankind and like our existence, it's only been the last couple hundred years that it's weird to like do this stuff. Like our existence has been for tens of thousands of years. And like, it's been with hunting, hunting, gathering, fishing, trapping, working with our hands, creating Mm -hmm. things ourselves. Like that is how we have lived for our entirety up until like the last like 200 years. Yeah. Everyone comes from that background, you know? Uh So it's like goofy. It's goofy that we are goofy to other people because like really that's just how, that's how humans are here. Right. Yeah. We were doing um, genealogy. I homeschool my kids and we were going through our um, like family tree or whatever. We got back pretty far and my daughter had said something about um, like, oh, I wonder if they had a garden or whatever uh, back then. And I was like, well, yeah, they had to or they died basically. <laughs> like they didn't always have a grocery store they could just go to, you know, they had to grow their own food. and Right. Because if they didn't, if, if they didn't, then, then they had other skills that they probably traded in yes, exchange yeah. for those things and they probably did like a garden I'm sure that they they did but like they had to have had some sort of skill or they weren't wouldn't have survived right exactly yeah yeah I think that's like you know there's some things from the past that we as humankind like should never do again right like there's some things in history how we've you know treated each other um Mm -hmm. ways of life like there are there are things that should stay in the past like learn from them grow from them never do them again but I don't feel that hunting trapping fishing foraging Mm -hmm. working with our hands I don't feel like that fits in that category I feel like that's something that we as humans we're we are meant to be connected to the world around us and like that's how we were connected you know absolutely yeah I don't remember what exactly it was pertaining to but I remember seeing um the term like archaic come up and that really struck me because I'm like, this isn't, this isn't really something that's archaic. It's something that, you know, is still relevant today just because we can go to the grocery store and get food or we can go to um, a department store and buy clothes. It doesn't mean that hunting and trapping and providing for ourselves is something like outdated that should be um, forgotten or kept in the past. Yeah, none of us can predict the future. And I mean, I'm not saying like prepper Armageddon style kind of tragedy, but we just we just don't know like when we might need to to be able to survive or um, have that skill, right? You know, like I, I mean, <laughs> the businesses and like industry and like corporations also exist because of how humans lived you know and Mm -hmm. so I just uh I don't think hunting trapping fishing I don't think that everyone has to love it I don't think everyone has to be on board it's that's never gonna happen um you know the way we live now some of it comes from people not wanting to live that way anymore Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah so I, I get it uh but I think it needs to be understood and respected. So I think it's great 
how much like you share about it in like a positive way and are such a great like face for it because um like you're you're very kind and approachable and like that that is going to resonate um with people and they're going to feel like they like oh my gosh if she can do this like maybe I can do this because sometimes when you have this big like mountain man who's been doing it his whole life like that's really cool but it's kind of like oh okay this is just for them right like that's right. just for that group of people yeah. um so I think that's really powerful stuff that like you share and that you're doing it I, I really do well thank you yeah, yeah that's definitely part of why we or I do share that is I just want people to know like if you have an interest in it you can learn it and you can do it it's not just for you know manly men or um you know whoever fits that stereotype yeah, in your right it can be you too you can do it yeah most definitely um if you do you have like kind of a bucket list as far as like something that you want to trap or like somewhere you want to go is there kind of like a top of your top of your list hunting fishing trapping I mean it doesn't have to be trapping whatever it is um I would love to hunt caribou um either in Alaska or like the northwest territories or you know wherever anywhere I guess <laughs> I'd love to hunt caribou um bobcat is definitely high on our list um and then uh, Fisher and Martin are also pretty high up there that we'd like to trap. Cool. Honestly, I really would love to go on a snow goose hunt. Um, growing up waterfowl hunting, uh, we're in, I'm in Michigan, so we get quite a lot of action with like diving ducks and yeah. things like that, but I really would love to go on a snow goose hunt sometimes. So. Yeah, come come with us. I uh, um. I actually, not that it has to be like a women's hunt, but I originally was going to have a uh, women's snow goose hunt this uh, year, but just with like change of jobs and um, a couple like snags, we didn't pull it off this year, but I had a lot of interest from women to do it. And I've been wanting to put it together and like help, help guide it. And um, so, yeah, hopefully we can do that sometime yeah. or I hope that you get to do that snow geese or um it's beautiful it's it's uh it's it, when you get when you get that group of thousands of birds and they come in real low and close whether they do or not I mean the lower the better but when you see um like the different lines of them coming in and they're crossing over each other and then you've got like blue geese and specks mixed in there and you're hearing the different sounds and watch them like kick up like from like their roost or whatever like it's just it's it like you feel it in your chest like you it's like a roar um it's, I, have in, I have family in uh northwest iowa and when we would go out there as a kid have you been to um desoto bend in nebraska i haven't but i know i do know where that is so we would always um not always but often we'd make a stop and it there's, I don't remember the exact numbers, but it's like hundreds of thousands of snows and blues. And yeah, I haven't gotten to experience that hunting, but even going there, just like the amount of noise and it's like almost hard to comprehend. When you yeah. First like, wow. <laughs> yes. I took my, uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, there's a, there's a refuge out here that's really well known. Um, 
this like big like marsh area where there's like a whole bunch of different types of uh, ducks and geese and and tons of swans yesterday. But the majority of what you see are the snow geese. And it's so cool. Like there's this kind of like little bridge and dock that goes out to it. And you can't ever get to the end fast enough because as soon as they see you walking down it, they start to like all kick up <laughs> at the same time. But I took my puppy out on the dock, like walked out there with him. And um, it was just like so cool. Like him and I, you know, both of our heads just go, like straight up and they're just there's just I mean geese everywhere and it the water goes from being completely covered in white to like nothing in a matter of like a minute um it is it is cool even if you don't hunt them like you said like even if you don't hunt them it is something that people should see because these birds are making this trip twice a year for like about 30 years I think they live to be about 30 years old sometimes um so they've seen they've seen it all and right they're cool they're super cool it's it's really impressive how how far they go and just even how many there are it's amazing yeah yeah um yeah and I think I think I read that their numbers are still doing like I mean they're doing well like so you see like snow goose hunters sometimes they shoot hundreds of them in a day um but the numbers of snow geese are are, I think are pretty healthy from my understanding. I think they're <laughs> doing all right. Um, so if you had to choose, like we talked a lot about trapping, but like if you had to choose like hunting or trapping, would it be trapping or would it be oh. hunting? For right now, I would probably say trapping. And it's kind of funny how that evolved because we started trapping because we wanted to help the animals we hunt. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I'd, for right now, at least this phase of life, I would probably choose trapping, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's funny that you say phase of life because I think that's how that works. Like every year, what I love the most has probably changed mm -hmm. just about every year. Um, you know, like last year, I thought I was gonna deer hunt my face off and I goose hunted a lot. Like, and oh, that's yeah. so that was so bizarre to me how much I loved now I was talking like Canada geese. Um, uh -huh. And uh, yeah, I just enjoyed it so, so much. And it, it just was like my happy place last year. And I, I hardly deer hunted. I like, if I had to choose between the two last year, I was going to goose hunt. Um, yep. And now that I have like a, you know, a bird dog puppy, like whether I want to or not, like Upland is kind of, you know, top of my list. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what is your favorite type of hunting? Oh, man. I really love waterfowl hunting. We haven't done it as much these last few years. And a lot of it was um, just like getting out there to do it. We have a lot of swamps and water around here. So you really need like a boat or something like that. And we hadn't had one until recently we did get one. But um yeah, so I love, I love waterfall hunting. Um, and then turkey hunting is a really big one too. Um, so probably those two, I would say. Yeah. It's hard to pick yeah. this one. <laughs> I've been like so excited, pretty much like, pretty much every guest I've had on the podcast, if I ask like what their favorite is, turkey almost always gets brought up, which makes me really happy because like same. <laughs> but yeah, like I think it's so fun. 
hearing the, those gobbles just rumble through the woods it's, it's pretty exciting yeah I agree and I think they're cool like I've had more I've heard multiple people say that they're ugly and like I get why people say they're ugly but I think they're beautiful and mm-hmm. uh I did have I heard for the first time this guy avid hunter um he uh was talking to me about mentoring and stuff and he a great conversation great guy but he I, I like stop talking because he goes uh I'll mentor whatever type of hunting you want he's like but probably not turkey because I just think that's kind of boring and I like didn't know what to say <laughs> like what <laughs> and I kind of give him a hard time he's like yeah like it's just kind of boring and I'm like oh I don't I don't know if I can keep talking to you what do you mean <laughs> my husband's kind of like that too it's turkey hunting isn't his favorite but yeah no and I, I I, yeah, it's like everyone can have whatever opinion and experience right. you want to have. I just like, I just think when you hear them, like you said, like before the sun comes up and you hear them gobble like through the woods and everything lights up. I don't know. It's just, there's like uh, nothing, nothing like it. Yeah. And they, when they get close and gobble, you can like feel it. You feel yes. like the percussion. <laughs> yeah. The first time I ever had, uh, a few years ago, one of the toms I got came in, it was three of them that came in and they, I mean, they just crested over this hill. And like, so right when they get over this hill, like I'm right there, you know, and the whole time I can hear their, oh, like they're, yeah. they're spitting drum and oh, they're it. all three doing it. And I, I can feel it. I can literally feel it in my chest and on the ground before I even see them. Yeah, it was like it was like I was living in a movie. Like someone was like playing the music, you know, before the big moment. Like it was so cool. Um, yeah, I sound like a freak because, like, look, like I'm even wearing a turkey T-shirt right now. Like I, I just like I sound obsessed, but I, I kind of am. Um, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. All of it's awesome. I have agreed with everything you say. <laughs> you said so far. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we love squirrel hunting too, and we recently started crow hunting, and that's been a lot of cool. fun. Yeah, that's awesome. How do you? Okay, so just like in general for me and for the listeners, like how do you crow hunt? Like, do you just do you call yeah. them in? Yeah. Um. So you'll want to check your regulations, of course, but in Michigan, you can use um, an electronic caller, and then we just got it's like a plastic almost. And we just cut out silhouettes and stuck them in uh, the ground. We just made little stakes for them. So we just made those silhouettes and they're working really well. And they really respond to calls that you'll see them kind of flying. And then all of a sudden they'll just like dive right into your decoys. We haven't, we haven't really had them land. They kind of like circle around checking you out because they're, they're very smart and they're very wary. So, um, you know, you're not necessarily shooting them like with geese where they're you know feet down coming in but yeah it sounds like it sounds like dove hunting I mean like it would be kind of the same as like like a dove hunt scenario or um I've never crow hunted before like I didn't even honestly like I'm an idiot I guess but I didn't (laughs) I didn't even like know um people did that where I like where Mm -hmm. I live uh and there is a lot of people that do I just had zero idea Uh uh-huh yeah but yeah, it seems like a lot of fun and it is. 
<clears throat> I think it would be, I think, I think that, I mean, it would be a good time. It um, is. It's nice because it's going on like right now. So there's not necessarily a ton to do outdoors. You know, people are out shed hunting and there's some snow goose hunting still going on. But overall, you know, in the outdoors as a whole, it's kind of a more quiet time of year. So it's kind of a good just like filler. And especially if you're a bird hunter, it helps, you know, keep your shooting going. And Yeah. Yeah. Um, what is like your next, uh, what's your next adventure? What's your next uh, thing to take on? Um, so once we, once crow hunting's done, we have turkey season. Um, but a big trip I'm excited for is in June, we're going to uh, Lake Cabotogama in Northern Minnesota. And we go with my whole family, like my dad, my uncles, my brother, cousins, my dad's cousins, my grandpa and his brothers and their kids. So it's like a family reunion style fishing trip and it's a lot of fun. So I'm really excited for that. That's awesome. That's, I love that you like can do that, like with your, like with your whole family and get to like do those things together. Um, that's definitely something that like, you know, just recently kind of like a highlight of my year and maybe not for them like maybe they think I'm a goofy like I, I'm sure I'm kind of like the the soft weird one in my family for sure but um <laughs> like my younger brother and I grew up hunting we've been hunting pretty much our whole lives and then I have an older brother um mm -hmm. who didn't grow up hunting um really into sports <clears throat> just wasn't his thing and this uh he has a son my nephew who is getting into shooting and wants to go hunting now and he's 12 and so this year my older brother got his hunting license and he got um he went shotgun hunting with my dad and my younger brother got his first buck and then uh -huh. he went uh all of us my dad and both of my brothers and I um we went goose hunting together and like we've never we've never hunted like all of us together. Like it, oh, it was yeah. already pretty rare that like my younger brother and my dad and I ever hunted together, all three of us, let alone like both of my brothers and my dad, like all of us together. That was like, to me, was such a highlight of oh, just, sure. like core memory, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. I, that's just one of my favorite things about like hunting and the outdoors is just that time together with your family or friends or even that solitary time too you know it's great for that but it, it's kind of just awesome all around because you can make it however you want and enjoy that camaraderie or the time alone in the woods yep I agree do you have any uh kind of like parting words of wisdom for anyone looking to get into um, like hunting or trapping later, you know, maybe they, they're going to like, they're going to be self-taught. Like, do you have any um, pieces of advice? Yeah. Um, really just dive into the research. Don't be afraid to watch a bunch of videos. And like you said if, earlier, if you get watching a video and you're like, eh, I'm not a fan of this one, just go to the next one. And there's a ton out there and um, there's a lot of books. There's a lot of people you can talk to, you know, um, join groups and you know you can start as just an observer but um, there's just so much information out there and you really can learn anything you want to um, in this day and age so if there's an interest 
just don't be afraid to dive right in and um, you know after you've done some research just go do it and you kind of learn what works for you and what doesn't just by getting out there and, and doing it. Hi. Hi. I'm her daughter. <laughs> nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. <laughs> yep, it wouldn't be complete without dogs and kids, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's just like life. Do you have a favorite? Do you do you is there like a favorite for you for trapping? Mm, I probably like trapping raccoons. Yeah. You caught your first by yourself this year. Yeah, you? I caught it in a cage trap in our backyard. That's so cool. I set the cage trap and stuff, and then I crumbled up a cracker with, what else did I put? I think I put, like, dog food, too. Yeah. And then I just put it in our backyard, and I caught one. Dad woke me up that midnight when he came home from work, and there was a raccoon in my trap. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I put out a couple live traps where I did not get a, I did not get a thing. So you are kicking my butt <laughs> for sure. That's so cool. Actually, for a little bit there, it was our biggest goon. It was 20 pounds. Yeah. Oh my yeah, gosh. You could for a little bit there. Huh? Just a little bit. The, but then mom beat it. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so cool. I love it. Like, I, I, I just think it's awesome that you guys do that together. Do you have, I guess, since we're wrapping up the podcast interview, do you have any advice for people who are learning to trap? Um, hmm. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably do the research and look for where you have more, most signs of animals and where they're like walking through and stuff. And learn how to set traps. Yeah. That's important. Yeah. Yeah. That's, well, that is a, that brings up a good point. Um, what is someone looking for? Like, what are signs of animals that they could be looking um, for? Trails and how you can tell the difference between a deer trail and a raccoon trail if there's not snow is usually deer where they have a trail, the like where the brush they're going through will be like taller because deer are taller. But if a raccoon is going through, it'll be smaller because the raccoon is smaller and it'll be more of a round hole than an up and down. <clears throat> That's very good. That's exactly how I was taught too. Yep. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, and it, it's cool. Um, when I was at that women's event, uh a lot of them were uh and this isn't just a women's event I've been to other things and I've taught other people this too um even though I'm still new at this sometimes you take someone out in the woods or like by a ditch or something and then you'll see you'll say uh do you see that trail right there and sometimes people are like I don't see a trail right like and then all of a sudden um you you get them on a trail and in and, and you show them a couple examples and then all of a sudden like their eye, it's like their eyes open up and then they see trails everywhere. Like yeah. there's truly people who just don't notice the deer and like um, mm -hmm. raccoon trails. Um, and then all of a sudden they do. And it's like a whole new world has like opened up for them. Definitely. I, I definitely feel that with, uh, with beavers, like one of my mm -hmm. favorite parts of that is like looking out for beaver sign. Now that I know okay. what I'm looking for, I love finding it. It's exciting. Yeah, same. It is. Yeah. 
so cool. Beaver, you're a smart, you're a smart girl. Oh, she has more, more knowledge. Oh, well, it's not really knowledge, but oh, okay. um, beaver backstrap is one of my favorite meats. It's <laughs> so awesome. good. Yeah, your mom was saying how she cooked it up for you guys, and you guys ate it, ate it like crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the fat on the beaver, when you take a bite, it kind of like melts in your mouth, and then you get all the. <laughs> so good <laughs> that's awesome we made ours into jerky which turned like not on purpose we accidentally made it into jerky it kind of dried out but um it actually was really really good um that way and I was surprised but I have to learn I need to learn what your mom did because the other way we cooked it didn't turn out very good so I'll have to figure that out but maybe but I'll have to come yeah yeah, I haven't ever been to Michigan, so um, oh, yeah. I am always looking for a reason to go out there. Wanted to go fishing out there for a long time, and that that would be that would be super fun. Definitely, yeah. we would love to have you. Oh yeah, <laughs> you are yeah, so yeah. sweet. We went to campgrounds. We got tons of space. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can rent out our camper. Yeah, <laughs> deal. that sounds good for the longest time before my boyfriend and I bought our house we were I was trying very very hard and some of my friends were trying really hard too um I wanted to live in a camper for like a year uh that's that was on my list um we ended up getting a house so we didn't end up doing that um but I'm not opposed to still having a camper and like hitting the road for a while um oh yeah I, I could definitely do that. Yeah, we full timed in our camp for, for, for the last three years. Yeah. yeah. You did? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. we're gonna have to have another podcast. <laughs> and guess who got the top bunk? <laughs> this guy. You ever, did you like hit your head on the ceiling though? No, but I did fall off of it in my sleep and I didn't even know. Yeah, she did. I did the same thing when I was probably your age. We used to have a motor home and I would always sleep in the top bunk. And I don't know when you fall out of your bunk, what it's like, but the motor home we had the area, I like when I fell, I fell between the kitchen and the table. Oh no. And so I only had this little area and my mom would, I would just be asleep. I wouldn't even wake up when I hit the ground. She said, she would move me to the other bed and then I'd wake up in a different bed and I didn't know how I got there <laughs> I would be I'd have a broken back if I did that now right sure. <laughs> mom just woke me up and put me and told me to go back but I don't remember waking up and I don't remember going back <laughs> yeah kids are tough for they sure. are <laughs> <laughs> like there's no way I could do that now without waking up or having like an injury um, that's awesome oh my gosh you guys lived in your camper for three years three years did you live in Michigan or did you guys travel yeah no, just in Michigan. in Michigan cool either yeah. way I think that's cool um yeah. that's really neat I yeah <laughs> eventually even if it's for a short period of time mm-hmm. I have a Toyota Tacoma so I've wanted to uh put in like the racks and then the tent topper and then have like all my storage and my dog box underneath so I could like live out of my Tacoma part-time uh so I'm all for that life 
Oh yeah, it's it's pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, and having a full family in there would be like a whole different level of like trying to figure that out, but that's cool. Yeah. 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 Figuring out storage and things like that was an adjustment, but but imagine sharing your bedroom with your little brother. <laughs> no, I have a little brother and I absolutely would not love that. No. <laughs> I mean, Me not either. when I was so your age. I got my own room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're in the house now. And so she got her own rooms. She was pretty happy. <laughs> but yeah, I bet. That's cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that would be really hard, especially at your age, like with little brother right there. That would be tricky. We yeah, would have. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say we would have been beating each other up. I'm pretty sure when I was growing up. There's lots of arguing. Yeah. <laughs> especially since I'm 10 going on to 11. Yeah. It gets kind of annoying, especially when it sneaks in. <laughs> and go into my bed and I try to go up into my bed and I just see his face <laughs> I'm like son get down <laughs> do you like trapping though with your brother like do you like going trapping with your brother yeah but sometimes he just stops out of the nowhere and I almost trip over him <laughs> yeah. yeah it's true he'll be like walk 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 and then just stop <laughs> and I'll be like oh. <laughs> Well, that's cool. When you get older, I mean, probably now too, when you get older, you'll look back and think that's really cool that you did that with your brother. Cause I know that, I know that my little brother and I, we used to um, argue and he used to annoy me and everything. But now my little brother is one of my best friends and he's who I love. I love going hunting with my brother. So I hope you have that experience too. <laughs> yeah, that's really neat. Um, well, thanks guys for being on my podcast. Thanks uh, for having me. Yeah. How can, how can, um, people find you and like follow along with, with, with your journey and everything? I know, I know, I know. <laughs> um, you can go on to Facebook or Instagram. My, uh, handle is Heather Iverson Outdoors. Awesome. Mm -hmm. cool. And you'll probably see me in some of her <laughs> videos or posts. <laughs> yes, yes, you will. And your brother. And my brother. The and one who brother. just stops nowhere. <laughs> oh, thank you, guys. Yeah. Thank you so much, guests, for being here. You guys are awesome. Leave Woods and Waters Project a review if you would. Huge favor. It means so much if you would do that for me. It helps grow the podcast. And not, and not even about the podcast. These guests that we've had on here, these humans with awesome stories and things to teach that mentor us, put themselves out there, teach, inspire, their stories will live forever through podcasts like this and stories that they tell. And I think all of their stories should, should be shared. Uh, just like if you have others that want to be shared. If you leave, if you leave a review, share the podcast. It helps them much more than myself. And I, I love sharing the stories of these amazing humans. So if you could help me do that, that'd be much appreciated.
Thank you for listening. And get out there, guys. Get out there. Until next time.